whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, everyone. It's Kit and Cynthia um, back at it again. And today we are so happy to have Jill Donenfeld of the Colonistas here on Ageless. So Jill, maybe you could do a little one minute intro. For sure. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're so Um, excited. I am one of the founders of the Colonistas. The long story short is that I've been working in culinary for Um, many, many years, like I think since I was 15, and had been a private chef and then started staffing private chefs um, over a decade and then met my business partner, Tiana Tennant. And together we have built the Colonistas into a platform for chefs to provide in-home culinary services in New York, LA, the Hamptons, and Aspen. Wow. My God, you must be, I feel like you must be exhausted. That's Four cities, and it's really you two that oversee everything. Well, that's so the maybe thing. we should talk about uh, some sleep. Um, yes, I would love to. That might help you sleep better because I I have some issues with that sometimes. Too. I have issues too, man. Maybe that's we the should thing. be. Maybe we should just talk in the middle of the night. <laughs> like text me are you up <laughs> my mom texts my up? mom emails and texts me at like four in the morning and when I get up I get those so I do that with people who I work with and I think it's not appreciated but I just I need them at that hour I need to get my ideas out yeah I don't text sometimes I I write the email and then I just leave it in drafts that's I so think smart. that's that's respectful and then you wake up or when you leave in the morning you just hit send 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 but I also just read, I think this week, that Mark Wahlberg wakes up at 2.30 in the morning. I've heard for that. For the day? Mm-hmm. For the day, yeah. yeah. That's his wake up hour? Yeah. yeah. Well, what time is bro going to sleep? <laughs> Probably like 8 p.m. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound fun. No. Yeah, it's not fun, <laughs> I know. for sure. That's not But I'm out here like clock. popping melatonins and then having horrible nightmares. So what do I do? Fix me. Okay, I am of the camp that... Food can heal a lot. Um, And let's start with sleep. I think there's a lot of things that you can do um, when it comes to what you're eating and what your diet is. So here's the deal with sleeping. You need three things to get a good night's sleep. You need A, magnesium. Magnesium activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So that is what manages calm and relaxation. And it also regulates melatonin. So you're taking melatonin as a supplement, but there's also things that you can do to get your body to trigger melatonin production naturally. You need serotonin before you need melatonin, though. Um, Serotonin is a hormone that synthesizes tryptophan. We all know tryptophan from turkey. Right. There's Mm -hmm. other ways you can get it um, if you're not into turkey or, like, if it's not Thanksgiving. Um, (laughs) And serotonin is processed in our brains to create melatonin. Um, It regulates the circadian rhythms by creating this like sleep pressure buildup that needs to be released, i.e. 
makes you want to sleep. So it turns into melatonin, which is a hormone that triggers a response to darkness, i.e. disease. Those are the three things that you need. Now, foods that have high levels of those things, magnesium, let's talk number one, pepita seeds, pumpkin seeds, highest amount of magnesium in anything. Um, it's also, there's a lot of magnesium in avocado, okay. nuts and seeds, like the things that you like, there's a lot of magnesium in them. Flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, spinach, buckwheat, bananas. Um, those are those are what you want to like wrap your head around for the magnesium. So we shouldn't be eating those for lunch then. We should Wait, be that, having those yeah, for that's dinner. What I was going to say like, is this a dumb question? You're, are you supposed is to it eat make that you sleepy? before you go to sleep? Or you eat it during the day and it just regulates you? Optimal time is two to three hours before bed. So like dinner. Mm. But I think you can be eating these things all the time and it's going to be beneficial just for regulating the rhythms. As far as melatonin and serotonin go, this is where you want foods that are high in tryptophan because that is what triggers the serotonin melatonin production. Mm. Seeds again, nuts again, pistachios, cashews, hazelnuts, um, definitely turkey, but also lamb and beef, halibut oats, cheese, tofu, bananas again. I feel like a banana a day wow, is kind of the thing. So, and then the other thing I want to mention about sleep is there's also some research about slightly um, spiking your insulin levels right before bed. So that's having something like mm. uh, like white rice or something that is is going to bump that up a little bit. Um, and that's because it, it insulin triggers the production of serotonin. This is especially this is important in the winter months when, you know, serotonin also comes from the sun. Mm. It causes us to create that in our bodies. So in the months where there's fewer sunlight hours, um, you want to get really into these foods. So an ideal dinner might be a little piece of halibut, some white rice. Maybe some a avocado, some spinach, and some pepita put some, nuts yeah, put on some, top. Exactly, Sprinkled some nuts on top. top. Perfect. Yum. Mm -hmm. That's gonna. But then now, we won't be texting have, each other. I feel like wait, then we'll sleep through. Then if I have a glass of wine or maybe two, let's yeah, just say let's no more than two. Let's be honest. <clears throat> two. Um, doesn't that counteract all that? Because the sugar wakes you up well, in the middle of the night. Well, that's spiking your insulin. Yeah, technically, a little bit. So. Maybe if you keep it to one. That might be helpful. Don't you find when you have a glass of wine, when you have one glass of wine, you sleep through, but if but more, yeah. you wake up and then you can't get back to sleep? Exactly. That's because my problem. Because the sugar is coursing through your body and wakes you up, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's like you, you have a crash, but then also you have alcohol in your system, so your system is processing through that Yeah, and is maybe a little bit disruptive. And if you're only going to have one, why bother? Uh, I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everything in moderation, including moderation, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, wait. I have a I have another question. That's helpful. That's great. Um, is there a food, since we're on ageless right now, is there a food that you sh should start eating as a baby? Like something that you can eat as a baby and will you should eat all until you're old age oh i love this question i feel like it's a it's an opportunity for me to promote my favorite food which is clams 
they are so good for you. Kit, Wait, my, are you, you guys could see me. Clams. My jaw is <laughs> I know, on Kit the is like ground out. right Wait, now. Why? Wait, clams. For sure. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> everything you never wanted to know about clams. I, I used to have a clamors license in <sighs> Montauk that was actually kind of amazing. Because you need a license. Otherwise, the, you know... They'll throw you in the slammer. Well, let's get on that this summer. I know how <laughs> and to you'll clam. you'll have to pay a lot of clams to get out. No, do, no. Now, when you clam, Cynthia, do you use a surfboard? Because I do. Oh, you do? You take that a surfboard That seems like it could out. damage your board. Okay, you take a foamy out. Oh. And you put a like little a igloo board. on top. Yeah, but you need the whole... Oh, you're saying that you you just Lay on it. the board, get the igloo at the to- at the top of it, Paddle out a little bit this to where you're gonna clam. Wait, what? How did this get on to like we're on this? We're like... talking clams. <laughs> we're talking clams and why they're so good for you and why okay, you should eat I'm, them. Yeah, I want to hear why and All then the I want to hear ideas on how to get a kid to eat clams. <laughs> okay, I would say let's or start with that. Maybe on a pizza. Let's start with clams. on a pizza, right? That's delish. There's it's flanked with cheese and bread. Okay, okay. I think like that's a nice for the kids. focaccia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, what about what about fried clams? Maybe that's counteracting a little bit, but a lightly fried clams, like clam strips. Okay. Kids love those. Yeah, kids do. Well, because you tell them it's French fries or yeah. chicken nuggets. <laughs> they don't even know the difference. <laughs> These but I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why they're so great. So first of all, when you eat clams, you're eating the whole organism. And there's a lot of research about whole organism eating being the best thing for you because you're getting the nutrients from the the whole thing. Um, when we talk about preconception diets, that's women who are trying to get pregnant and create actually create life in themselves, they're instructed to eat whole organisms. So that's like a whole whole sardine. Um, eggs are really important, right? Because that's the whole thing. Also, is that plants. how the oyster? Uh... Rumor got started about that, the about virility, yeah, and eating oysters, or Ooh, that maybe you know, so makes you strong and virility, yeah, <laughs> totally maybe. So that that is one one component of it is it, it's the whole organism. Um, another component of it is that they are low on the food chain, so they're sustainable, they're low in fat, and there's fewer impurities and toxins in foods that are lower on the food chain because there is. Toxins are fat soluble, so they're, they're stored in fats. The higher up on the food chain you go, there's more opportunities for these toxins to get into your foods, right? Like a cow is eating the smaller thing that maybe was eating the plant, whereas right. if you're just dealing with the stuff that's the lowest, there's just not a lot of opportunities for those toxins to get in. So sometimes the lowest stuff on the food chain is like the cleanest. I'm talking about um, what is in clams that makes them so good for you super high in protein, super high in iron. And the number one um, benefit is vitamin B12, which is a benefit, which is a vitamin that your body doesn't create on its own, but it's a vitamin that is paramount to the function of your nervous system and the production of red blood cells. Red, Red blood cells are what oxygenate your blood and remove carbon dioxide. So oxygenating your blood that's all about like promoting elasticity in your skin ps and clearing your pores ps so like any kind of b12 situation 
it's going to be good for the skin. And I would say skin is, you know, I mean, that's when we're talking about ageless. We're looking at skin. Amazing. We're looking at what's going on around our eyes and what's going on on our hands. Elasticity. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, there's also vitamin C in clams, which, of course, protects you from sun damage. Guys, I'm do you want a clam away. pie right I now? I, I, no I'm also getting kind of hungry for clams. I, I yes. clams with pasta. Vongole. Yes. She yes. wants a vongole yes. pasta. Love. Me too. So mussels would fall into that category? Okay, I haven't done so much research on mussels, but they would definitely fall into the category of whole organism and lower on the food chain. Right. Mm -hmm. There is something different about mussels and clams as it pertains to how they how they procreate. And like mussels grow they're a they're a I don't want to say parasite, that sounds bad, but they latch on to something else exactly. to grow. The piers in Montauk. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Whereas clams, they're so clams are like the starter life form. Like these things have existed for five hundred million years prior to any like land animal or plant, they're super, super like beginning of life. They're not a plant, but they're not a sentient being. Like there's all this weirdness about them. The way that they procreate is they they release sperm and egg into the water and then by chance, some sperm and egg meet and they create this little protein and then they start to graft a mineral like shell. A clam dating app. Around them, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but that's how pure it is. It's like immaculate conception. It's that pure. Wow. That's insane. I mean, I the talking about clams was like the last thing I thought we'd be. I know. What did you think I was going to say? Everyone is just chlorophyll like filled, uh, chlorophyll foods. Maybe that's good for your skin too. Greens I've are good heard always. That, but I need to know more about chlorophyll. Yeah, I feel like I need to know more too. I mean, it's the it's what brings life to plants. So maybe why wouldn't that translate to us mm -hmm. it's that is it purity thing is there a chlorophyll and seaweed, seaweed the most no? recent thing that i've had chlorophyll in is there's this rice that i'm obsessed with that, and it's a green rice it's called jade rice and it's from a brand called lotus foods and it comes from an area in china um where there's so much chlorophyll in the in the land that even the grains of rice are are bright green because they're so like impregnated with all this chlorophyll. That's oh, that's I've been amazing. eating that like in the mornings with a little bit of avocado and I mean I feel pretty good and I haven't been sleeping well and I'm still feeling good so maybe there's something to it. Good. What wow. else can I tell you guys? Well you know what I'm a little bit okay I feel kind of dumb about this whole thing because I do try to eat well, but my I, mom I, is like really clueless, though, in terms of like you asked me the I, other day. I mean, in my defense, I'm from Illinois. I'm from, you know, the Midwest where like Velveeta is one of the four food groups and, you know, Kraft Mac and Cheese is one of the, you know, it's like so, you know, I've had to evolve over the years. And, you know, so now I think I, I eat very well. But I also, like, don't know that much. Well, about... it sounds like you didn't have the modeling from the upbringing. Right. You know, you had the Midwestern. By the way, you probably had the, you probably had the gathering around the table down pat, though. Yeah, and my, and my mom's important. Italian, so we always had, that's had double delicious whammy. food. Yeah. But, 
you know, um, not, not a lot of not food for longevity. Yeah. So exactly. where yeah. did you where where did this idea of food as wellness come from? You know, there's so much talk about wellness now, and that is something that we promote to our clients for sure. You know, eating around the dinner table especially um, is something that can promote calm and well-being and connectedness. I'm definitely in the camp of community feeling being um, the thread that is really, really what should bind us all together. But as I started to think about it more, I started to think about how are, how are we bringing wellness to the chef community? Um, something that's very, very important to uh, what I do is how can we give chefs a better career and profession and lives in their day to day? And what links all of that is is the food. And chefs know intrinsically because they're dealing with it every day what these raw materials can do. They know how how food has the ability to transform. And so it really came from there of knowing when you talk to the the masters of culinary, um, being the chefs, they know what's going to make you feel good and and what's going to relax you at the end of the day or what's going to make your skin look greasy the next day. So how can we bring that um, bring that into the forefront? Mm. Okay, but I need to ask you what what are your real thoughts about culinary school? Oh, I think incredibly valuable. I believe in learning from people and texts um, that, you know, you have, you yourself have not had the chance to have, have experiences with or access to, Um, you know, it's, it's such a privilege to get to have a master of anything, you know, teaching you, teaching you everything that they know, teaching you their life's work. Um, Do I think it's a requisite for everyone? No. I mean, I didn't go to culinary school, right? But at the end of the day, it's sort of what you want to get out of it. There are so many ways to teach yourself. I mean, there's tons of books about cooking techniques um, from all over the world. Um, But if you have the opportunity to learn from a teacher, you know, take the opportunity. Do you think, is there a place, are there places where you can go and just take a class or a hundred percent i mean learn from someone at all of the culinary schools there are you know continuing ed classes that you can take oh really um the colonies does also teaches cooking classes ps seriously um absolutely absolutely um and then there's also this great organization called the league of kitchens Oh, go ahead. I'd like my husband to take that class. We actually. we will teach him. We'll <laughs> teach him anything that he would have to not know. That's where he was going, though. Is the thing. Well, he we needs, would come he to you needs guys like a very basic education. <laughs> like we up, would show like, up. This up is from a refrigerator. Like, cereal in a bowl. <laughs> anything past that? Anything past toast or cereal I've in a bowl? I've never even seen toast. Yeah, toast. Honestly, toast is like a big move in the kitchen for him. <laughs> toast would be the second class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, we'll come to you guys. Let's not bash. <laughs> Everyone starts the somewhere. The cutest guy yeah. in the world. But uh. <laughs> I would like to, I would like, it would be fun if he took a class. And be, I want to take a class, fun. everyone. I actually just think it's fun, you know, to cook in the kitchen. Like we cook together in the kitchen and 
it's fun if you, as a family or as a bunch of friends. And I actually think it's fun to invite people over to all participate in the cooking. Like, hey, do you guys want to do this? You do, you're going to be in charge of this. You'll be in charge of this. You'll be in charge of this. And then you all do it together and you can all, you know, participate in the success of, of the meal. I love that. I mean, that's definitely how I entertain. When people come over, I always have a job for them, and they seem to really, you know, love it. Kate, you cook all the time. I can always be on cocktails. Yeah, I do. But I, I need, I want to go to some fun cooking classes in New York and stuff. So, okay, if you could spend the day learning from any chef right now, who would it be? Oh, hands down, John Kwan, who has taught Eric Repair a lot about cooking. She is a Zen Buddhist and so fully embodies the concept of wellness through food and food's capacity to heal, unite, um, and really restore. So I know that you were a personal chef before starting the Colonistas. Where did you learn all the chefing technique? Well, I'm also from the Midwest. I'm from Ohio. Um, Yeah, what's up? (laughs) Definitely grew up eating around the table every night with my family. Um, And that is definitely the impetus for for every my life endeavor of wanting to bring people together. Um, I also learned very quickly that when you make something, Uh, homemade people want to gather around. I realized the power of food very early. I moved to New York to go to Barnard, not to go to culinary school. Mm. Um, And while I was in school, I became very obsessed with the restaurants of New York and just all of the, the ways that you could explore the city through culinary and through through consumption, as they say, in academia. Um, So I ended up majoring in urban planning with a focus on how consumption has built the city. And I, like, wrote papers about Whole Foods and um, very sort of nerdy academic approach to to just how we eat and how we convene around food. Um, I cooked all through school um, for myself and for... Um, a caterer who had been the former managing editor at Gourmet. And then I ended up working at Time Out doing restaurant reviews, really exploring the wide breadth of foods that there are available throughout the city. During school, I also started working as a personal chef. And a lot of my education was just going through like every food and wine and every savoir. Um, I was very lucky to have clients who were super adventurous um, and just sort of cooking my way through magazines and through cookbooks. I've spent also a lot of time um, exploring culinary through my travels. I've written a few cookbooks. One of them, um, I don't forget, I was coming from academia. So I got very interested in Madagascar and what the food would be like in this place in the world in which there's a convergence of African and Indian cultures. And so ended up going there for a semester in school <gasps> and staying for six That's months. That's my and, dream Oh, you got to go. You got to go. There's supposed to be good surfing. Yeah, there is. But there's sharks. So <gasps> so I hear uh, it was before I surfed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to go for some surf. I know. I just want to go explore. And, and you've got to have some great food when you're there. It's a very interesting, you know, flavor, um, flavor profile of... Indian flavors with African techniques. Um, 
but sort of learned in the field, I would say, mm. as I went along. That book led me to doing a book um, for a hotel in India um, who wanted me to come and work with their chef to write down and memorialize the recipes from their family that they had translated to being the hotel, um, being the hotel cuisine. So What's really, the name of the book? It's called The Bangala Table. Um, and, and that's so, where, is that where you were? I was, I was in um, I was in a place called Karakudi, which is in the Tamil Nadu region, which is like the southern region of India. Um, I've been to India so many times for this project and like never went to Delhi, n- never went to Rajasthan, like was always just in this very small area. Um, so if you go there, I can give you tips, but yeah. anywhere else I'm, I'm in the dark. But really just a lot of in the field training. I think that that is, it's very important when you're thinking about um, making food for people in the home. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not actually professionally trained. I didn't go to a culinary school to learn my my knife skills to do them just so. But I understand flavor profiles. I understand how people like to eat in the home. Um, last night I was at this lecture in which Mark Bittman was speaking about um, writing his book How to Cook Everything, which I think is having like a um, an anniversary year maybe 20 years or something like that, maybe longer. Um, and he, I was so happy to hear him say that he also is not professionally trained, but he really, he knows how to cook. He knows how to put things together and he knows how to how to write a recipe in the way that will get people to cook it and get people excited about uh, making food for themselves and eating it. And I, I felt a kinship there. Is there a place, like, is there a YouTuber? Is there a... TV, any of the Food Network shows? Is there anything, like, what's, do you have a place where you can be inspired by other people's work or like I just, that? like, nerd out. Or just, just like, have, watch or you just think it's funny. Like, I, I don't really watch a lot of the food shows, but, like, I saw some kid dessert-making show or something, and I was, like, riveted. Okay, I feel like there's two different like sides of this sc- question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like the reality TV side, and then there's like who do you go to to like yeah. learn from and yeah. Take okay, let's stick so, to the learning, I guess. No, I let's recently do both. like okay, no, I'll do both. Do both. I'll, I got both. I got answers for both. Okay. Don't worry. So I recently went super deep on just like watching every single chef's table, mm. and I had watched the first season and thought it was fantastic, and then forgot about it and you know just started watching Chernobyl and Homeland and like (laughs) (laughs) the things that get me out of my life and then I did this big closet cleaning project in which I I really got rid of a lot of stuff and I felt like I needed to watch something in the background I thought thought, okay chef's table I am obsessed with it I think I watched every single episode and the characters and the chefs they are so inspiring they are so dedicated to their craft and they all are coming to the table with very different things to say and they're all accessing food and relating to food in completely different ways. I, I could not recommend it more. It's, it's really riveting. And on the other side of it, the other riveting, more reality ridiculousness is a, a girlfriend of mine um, who I've known since high school, who lives on 11th Street near me. Um, I go to her house and like watch stupid TV all the time. Like we watch 
music videos for hours and hours. Um, the last time I was there, she revealed that she has been very obsessed with this show called Zumbo's Just Desserts. And it is this absurd man who makes, you know, desserts that look like he'll make a cake that looks like a couch. Oh, my God. I know absurd. what you're talking about. Yeah. But like intense cake, like baking and stuff like that. Yes. Where it's like here we've revealed to you like four different enough for 40 different um, tempered chocolate colors uh, to look like the Empire State Building illuminated at night like it's just it's so bizarre um, but the show is the it, the pacing it's so quick I you cannot look it. away <laughs> i need to see this it's very it's very very inspiring on the other side we had a zumbo well, themed birthday for her and which i went around and got all of the most ridiculous desserts around the city and surprised her with them oh, that's so amazing. that's so cute well because i i do think like when I think about great meals, I always think there's a visual element to it. And and also, you know, that I the curiosity of, you know, what are the, all the flavors? Can What flavors can you find in this meal? You know, even if you don't know exactly what you're being served. Definitely. I feel like and there's so, a color and texture element. Yeah, you know, I think you visually with your eyes you're first. like creating some a visual palette. I mean, that makes sense coming from you, fashion designer, right? Yeah. Don't <laughs> eat, don't taste it. Just look at it. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> yeah. No, but it's like, you know, you want a feast for the eyes as yeah. well as something that's going to be, no, it's got to be delicious. You got to have a bite. But I agree with you. Colorful foods, by the way, tremendous health benefits. I think purple is the most nutrient rich food color. When you eat purple things, you're getting like the most. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So eggplant, nightshade or whatever. Yep. Purple uh, cabbage. Oh, yeah. Blueberries. Yeah. If you kind of go through the list, everything purple is like it's the richest. Interesting. Mm. But I agree. It's you know it, it is it is the color, and it is you know there's something about seeing like a little pool of olive oil, you know, with 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 big salt crystals on top, and you know a charred piece of eggplant. There's something tantalizing about that. I hope this is making you guys really hungry because I'm getting hungry listening to this. Well, I think you know we were when Kit and I were thinking about talking with you today, we were saying, you know, so much about cooking is so visual and how do you do that on a podcast? And it's interesting that, you know, we've really talked about a lot of facts, you know, food facts, like these are the properties that, you know, certain foods have and this is what it can do for you, wellness in cooking or wellness in food. Um, but we were we were also thinking, how can we talk about entertaining and hospitality and, um, you know, let's say you're having, I know you've cooked for big events and also smaller dinner parties, and I'm sure you entertain a lot. And I don't know, I think there's certain things that make for a good and also easy, like I always think like make your life easy. People don't like to entertain at home because 
it's like scary and it's oh, like it's, it's going to be do. so much work. It's going to take me two days, you know, to prepare. Like what? What are some yeah, easy, so fun? I want to cool talk about the non culinary side since right. we don't have the visual. Exactly, you can't That's see what... us biting into, you know, the delicious couscous and clover salad with a light pesto. Ooh, um, I, I, I'll yeah. make that for you guys sometime. I feel <laughs> you'd be up your alley. Um, but we, let's talk about the other aspects of having people over and entertaining that make the evening special. By the way, regardless of what you're serving, whether you slaved all day in the kitchen yourself or whether you hired one of our chefs or whether you ordered in from Postmates or Caviar, um, you know, what, for whatever reason and whatever you're bringing people together um, for, I think that there's ways to make the the evening special. Um, first and foremost, who you're inviting and thinking about really a great cross section of people. You know, Wait, that's I always say it's not what's on the table; it's what's on the chairs. Yes. Oh, I I agree with you. I mean, you know, but mostly look, you because see... I'm not a great cook. <laughs> no, look, <laughs> the point of food is to bring people together, right? Like. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be satisfying if you have a really wonderful conversation and connection with the people who you're breaking bread with. So thinking about that cross-section of people. Um, and then also I always recommend, we always recommend making a seating chart. Um, you know your friends Even the best. Even if there's like six people or eight people? Yeah, why not? For eight people, I mean... Okay, six, you all are really close together. Right. But eight, there can absolutely be side conversations going on. You know your friends the best, so make a little seating chart. Highly recommend. Um, I would also say designating a bar area, not in the kitchen. You know when you have people over, like everyone just flocks to the kitchen. Like regardless how beautiful your home is. And how tiny your kitchen is. Like everyone just like wants to be in on the action. So do you do like a little bar cart? If you have you, a bar cart, that's you, cool. Or, you know, put put it on a side, put set it yourself up on a side table. Something that's like away from the kitchen and where you can instruct your guests to serve themselves. That also like lets you off the hook for the whole night. If you give them the permission to pour their own drink at the beginning of the night. Throughout the night, they're going to know that they can, like, get up and continue to serve themselves. Yeah. And you're, like, less frazzled about that. And you can sit at the table and enjoy your friends. Um, also, speaking of enjoying your friends, take a moment to toast. Once everyone gets seated at the table after cocktails, like, stand up, say thank you. People really like to be thanked and appreciated. And it's a nice moment to, like, set the tone for the evening. Um Serving family style is something that we always recommend to all of our clients. This is something that um, socializes the evening, makes it a little bit more casual, makes it a little bit more connected. You are passing things between and amongst each other. Um, that is something that actually has a physical effect of of communing and bringing and connecting you to each other. It also allows everyone to just take what they want and only what they want. So there's right. no pressure. If you don't want to take Definitely the, less wasteful. Way less wasteful. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to have sliced steak on your plate, then you're not going to take it and you're not going to look rude. 
you're just going to load your plate up with like a few more greens, a few more like, you know, broccoli florets, um, and that maybe that couscous and clover salad. So I think that definitely kind of takes the pressure off. Um, moving to a new zone of your house for dessert, I think is very important. You've sat at the table, you've sat in between the two people, you've you've exhausted the conversation with them. Maybe you know them for 20 years. Maybe you just met them tonight. But now it's time to like change it up a little bit. So get everyone up from the table. Also like nice, get a little air, move your legs a little bit, make a little room in your belly for dessert. Mm-hmm. And then situate everyone like maybe in the sitting room, maybe on the patio outside, just something a little bit um, different so that everyone can mingle a little bit more. And then last but not least, I think the timing of an event is very important to keep things rolling. Don't forget, like, you're kind of the MC when you're entertaining. People are going to, you know, they're looking to you for that uh, that guidance for the evening. We always say 30 minutes for cocktails, 30 minutes starting from, like, when basically the last person has arrived. 60 minutes at the dinner table. So you invite people, say, at 7. Invite people so at 7. So 7 to 8 is cocktail hour, but it's really... Yeah, people are going to get there between 7 and 7.30, right? So, yeah, 7 to 8 cocktail hour, people are arriving. Then let's say 60 minutes, we say 30, 60, 90. So 30 minutes for the cocktail, 60 minutes for actual dinner. That seems short, but then move everyone to dessert zone for dessert and conversation and call that 90. That way, if there's someone who has to leave early, they don't feel like a jerk getting up from the table. It's also so disruptive. Like once one person leaves the table, then like everyone feels like it's time to go. Maybe your night's going to be cut short. That sucks. You might have like actually put your whole day into, you know, getting this thing prepped. So move everyone to dessert zone for like an extended dessert and conversation situation. And then if there's a couple of people who have to leave early, it's not going to feel disruptive. It's just going to feel like they've got to slip out. Right. Um, what if you don't want to spend your whole day preparing? Then you can <laughs> you can go to Italy and you can get beautiful cheese and exceptional quality meats and cured smoked fish and great bread and you can just make some platters and some boards we do this winter burrata board so like burrata is such a summer thing right like everyone has it with fresh tomatoes cucumbers grilled peaches like of course that's so delicious burrata in the summer you know i get it groundbreaking but like burrata in the winter wow such a treat with brajola maybe some pears maybe some apples some of those like great raincoat crisp crackers toasted nuts make an herb oil like that's just fry any herbs in oil and then let them sit for a long time off the heat so you make like a rosemary infusion drizzle that on top you get this this whole like winter vibe of burrata that is going to make everyone very happy and that sitch is like a 20 minute in the kitchen commitment yeah i can yeah that's good and cheese boards have become so trendy now so it's perfect and then like a tossed salad tossed salad exactly i'm a big fan of like you do the burrata board in the beginning yeah and then you do like grilled shrimp that takes a second shrimp take three minutes you know so something healthy and light 
and then serve the salad last, French style. I love that. Bring the salad around, like stall it a little bit, bring it out after. Everyone's kind of like had a few shrimp. Like a million years ago, my friend and I had a dinner party where we just outed ourselves and we made, we planned the whole thing. So it was like, ding dong, um, you know, some restaurant would arrive with the takeout, like right there. And we'd put it out for everyone for our hors d'oeuvres. And then like, it was all time. So it was like, ding dong. Then the next one, a guy, like a guy from McDonald's arrived with fries because they make the best fries. Somebody else arrived with like chicken and someone else with like um, veggies or steak or something. And we had we just literally outed ourselves where it was like, oh, the next course is here, guys. Ding dong. Love it. And we just put it all out. And then at the <laughs> end, we had on each place uh, at, at each place an envelope with like four dollars or five dollars in it and people thought like are is there a stripper coming or whatever and it was no it then we went all went downstairs where there was an ice cream truck it's waiting so we actually cooked nothing and we didn't even try to pretend no you made it a theme <laughs> i love it you so made it a theme. yeah i thought you were gonna say you went to dairy queen midwest you know if we were there's yeah. a Dairy we, Queen in New York, guys, no. on 14th Street. What? Yeah, really? DQ? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry to like curse any New Yorkers with that knowledge, but it 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 exists for sure. I know. I'm I'm sort of sad. My for, <laughs> my 14th Street guilty pleasure is the Donut Pub. Oh my God! Yes, that's the late yes. night 14th Street. Yes. If I need like a if I need a special treat for myself. Oh, that's yes. isn't there a Krispy Kreme there too, or that's Twenty Third Street? I think there is a Krispy Kreme on Twenty Third. Why do we know all of this? <laughs> um, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, but I do want to ask you what your favorite restaurant is in New York right now. I'm sure it changes all the time. Well, I would say it used to change a lot, and now I am such a creature of habit, and I go to like the same five places over and over. Um, you know, Omen on Thompson oh, Street. Yeah, that's my fave. I love it. I, I was there last should, night. I think we should edit this out because yeah, I can never get a table okay, there let's, anyway. Yeah, let's, <laughs> what what so should like, I say? Raul's, where you can't get a table anyway. Any, yeah, that's my other favorite. Yeah, I love. I so know. edit out Raul's. Edit out Omen. I mean, these are the real places: <laughs> Raul's, Omen, Il Canti, oh, Waverly. Because yeah. I live so oh, close. Yeah, forget it. Like I'm constantly in there. Okay, we have to edit out this whole. All right, so question. what do I say? No, Sorry, just... good. <laughs> oh no, the no, Knickerbocker. Those... I love the Knickerbocker. Oh, it's that's... not very good food, but it's like a wonderful experience. That's old. And school. like yeah. Taco that's Bell so too. Just Taco Bell on Seventh <laughs> Avenue. That's your favorite. Anyone can get a table there. It's easy. Chipotle. Yeah. You know, I recently went to this. Um, pizza spot in Brooklyn called Ops, O-P-S. Oh, yeah. And it was delish. Like, the crust is so springy. It's thin, but it's, like, springy that it's almost like you're having pizza on a real Israeli pita. It's good. Oh, yeah. I okay. so highly recommend. O-P-S. O-P-S, yeah. I'm any down. California? Any? Well, California, I'm a sucker Everywhere. for Jelena. I, I love Jelena. Oh, yeah. I mean, always good. A friend of mine has a restaurant um, on the east side called Jewel, and it's mostly plant-based, 
she, the chef, she is really an exceptional, um, exceptional with, with technique, but exceptional um, concepts. And she does this like um, cured carrot that kind of is like smoked salmon. Like she calls it carrot locks. She's, she is really on, on the tip. Yeah. So that I would say if you're on the east side of LA, check out Jewel. Do you think that is the biggest news maybe in food right now is more plant-based and, and having more flavor variety in plant-based. Yeah. I think like plant-based it's not, it's not new. You know, there's like the, vegan before 6 p.m. that's like been around since the 90s like the, it's not new but I think that it is getting the most traction out of any trend right now which is great which mm-hmm. is so great uh, for sustainability purposes and for yeah I mean you know look like stuff. the the thing about sustainability when we're talking about the personal choices that we can make you know that all comes from, I think that all stems from um, diversity in agribusiness and in agriculture. And there's so much plant diversity, right? There's also a lot of animal diversity. If, you, if you're going to have lamb and buffalo and goat rather than just cows and chickens and pigs, mm-hmm. um, that is also very helpful. But when, when we think about vegetables and legumes, um, you know, you get into so much diversity there. That's that's what is so beneficial to sustaining the environment, and also happens to be very good for us sustaining ourselves as well. Um. Okay. So, I guess we'll end here. Sadly, maybe you could tell our guests where they can find you and the Colonistas. Yes, the Colonistas uh, IG handle, the Colonistas, or our website, thecolonistas.com. My personal is Jay Donenfeld. You're just going to see like surf vids. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds good. And like a little bit of cooking, but. <laughs> That's all I care about, surf yeah. and food. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Anyway. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having I'm me. I'm starving right I'm now. I'm starving. Yeah. I'm ready for Vongolay. <laughs> all right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>